Before we get started on this episode, if you like college sports, college football, especially OU football and just college football in general, check out the YouTube channel. That's where I kind of uh, talk through a lot of that. It is uh, YouTube.com forward slash unfair sports. I put out a uh, weekly Oklahoma Sooner podcast as well as um, lots of videos talking around what's going on in college football. So check it out there on YouTube, YouTube.com forward slash unfair sports. A random Wednesday episode. We're going to be talking about our boy John Morant and some NFL stuff and some more stuff here on Unfair Sports where we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. I am your host, Jay. Thank y'all for checking us out wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. While you're there, please rate us, review us, and give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it? Just give us five anyway and gifted. So on today's episode of Unfair Sports, we're going to dive into the depths of stuff going on mainly let's start off with this John Morant and the fact that he's gone and why I'm actually kind of concerned Lamar Jackson's contract situation and the praise of Daniel Jones somehow getting an extension and then the MVP talk let's talk about why Kendrick Perkins was wrong and why some of his stuff is rooted in truth in some capacities Hit us up on the Unfair Fan Line, 430-901-1906. I'd love to hear from you. And let's, you know, take it to the show. Give me your strongest opinions, and we can dive into everything that's going on from there. So hopefully we can bring you on the show, 430-901-1906. Man, 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 late afternoon episode. I wanted to get you guys some some content. So uh, just kind of a little context around what's going on here is I initially was going to record this and put this out there like to uh, Monday night, put out Tuesday, right? That was the initial plan. And then I had uh, saw everything that went on with job. That was the, the topics I have now are basically the same ones I was going to put out. Uh, Cause I knew that the uh, Lamar Jackson contract stuff was coming up and I knew the John Morant suspension and everything. But then I was like, you know what? Let me wait. Let me wait through Monday, potentially Tuesday, and see if something else drops that I've been waiting on with the John Morant situation. And so we'll dive into him first. And the speculation, some news articles have flown around about Morant, and it kind of got to exactly what I thought was going to happen. He's got problems. And he has personal issues. And so I was listening to a Bomani Jones pod on Monday, and that kind of made me want to stop step back and wait too, because he said it very eloquently that his concern truly wasn't about which a lot of y'all's concern is really the money that this man is costing himself. No, it's more so the person him, like he's got a problem. And now that he hasn't been suspended, he's just away indefinitely. He said he wants to find ways to manage his stress and hearing Bo talk about that. Maybe think about it, like, man, he's dealing with stress the stress of playing ball, which is very stressful, especially at a high level and not get any injury. And then, deal, of course, deal with fans. It's, you know, th- there's a lot that goes into that. But then you've got the issue with, you know, the gun and taking that and showing that on an Instagram live at a strip club while you're out of town. Knowing good and well, you can't really do that. Um, not as far as feds federally or, you know, legally with states in some states you can't. The biggest thing is you can't do that as part of the league. Like that's some things that the league does not want 
going down. And that's mainly for one reason. And I'll break it to my point a little bit later around my concern. But first off, y'all know that the biggest thing around the NBA is, is that all, a lot of the viewers consider them thugs. Like they don't like the players. They enjoy the sport, but most fans don't like the players. And it's the, the, the misconception around them is, is that they're all thugs. And all Jai's doing is playing into it. And that doesn't help any situation that's going on with the NBA branding, et cetera. Hence why they had the lockdown on like fighting and all of that stuff back in the day. They legislated out fighting and really hard fouls for a reason to prevent the misconception and to prevent the visual thought that, you know, the NBA is full of thugs. Because remember, that's exactly how fans see them like the NBA is the one sport that you are not allowed to fight in because one you can see the players two is majority black and three unlike hockey it's not something that's socially acceptable yeah I said hockey because hockey they fight all the time and so you can get away with that and so Ja running around with a gun on IG live does nothing but put a bad image on the NBA and himself But then you get into the stress management piece and him stepping away. What jumped out to me was, is, hey, man, I wonder if he's got a drug problem. Like if you're managing stress and then you start going into all this stuff, doing what he's doing, I'm concerned if this dude actually has drug issues. Now, it looks like Ja is checked into rehab for drugs and alcohol young guy on top of the world ascended fast because remember y'all didn't know who Ja was until the NCAA tournament was and then he ended up the number two pick the guy that recognized and saw Ja was going to be a star now works for the Grizzlies I can't remember the name I know Bo mentioned it on his pod but when he said that I'm like oh yeah this fast rise to stardom that messes with you And for Jai, it seems like he wants to be cool while at the same time, the people around him got to remind him, hey, man, you can't be doing the stuff you're doing, especially in Memphis. That's not a place to do that in. Like, you should really, you know, be careful with that activity that you're going through. And yeah, but he's still doing it. And so because of that, we're sitting here trying to figure out what the heck is he doing and what the heck's going to happen to him long-term. Now, he's checked into rehab. He's taking a break. And that's going to be a good thing for him. But now the question is going to be, what is everybody around him going to do to help him out? Because points have been made numerous times. when Athletes like this, become stars or they make the big bread. They become the big part. They become the, the main seat at the table. They're the one to get the big piece of chicken at dinner time. And a lot of people are reliant on them because they had a vested interest in him getting to where he's at. Y'all may say and think that you won't, but every single one of y'all would immediately help your family. If you came upon a whole bunch of money, you would take care of certain family members and some friends that have been there for you from day one. So I don't judge him for the crowd he has with him, but I do tell him that he needs really to step back and evaluate. Is this the smartest thing for me? 
should I do this knowing that there's consequences on the background? I don't know. I'm hoping that Jai does get the help he needs. I'm hoping that he's taking time away and recognizing how every little step he's taking can be detrimental to his career. And the bigger one really when it comes to being detrimental to your career is him doing this in Memphis, him showing out in Memphis, Memphis ain't a city you play in like that. Certain cities and certain areas, you don't play the way he's been quote unquote playing. I mean, the story comes out about him with the 17 year old. Now, granted, have y'all met 17 year olds? I mean, they're right there close to 18 and some of them have a tendency of doing stuff. Now, I'm not saying that Ja was right, but I'm telling you a lot of 17-year-olds built the exact same size as 18-year-olds or bigger. So you got to be careful with that. You got to be careful with those type of interactions. And if anything, his pops and moms need to go ahead and buckle that stuff down. Now, I know his mom was involved in the in the finish line situation with the security guard. He was, you know, he was threatening them. Y'all got to step back. You gotta recognize this kid, his dude's star. He's not a nobody. He's known. He's borderline internationally known, especially with all the high flying dudes, got highlights everywhere. So because of that, y'all gotta be careful with what you're doing to keep this young man out of trouble. So I'm hoping everybody's taking this seriously. Because as the old man here yelling at the clouds, I've seen kids go through this stuff, and it don't always end out very well. I'm just hoping that Jai, I'm glad Jai is taking time away. I'm glad he's going to rehab and I really hope he gets past whatever issues he has because that was the one thing that concerned me coming through this was that there was going to be a drug problem or alcohol problem that was going to require rehab and here we are, the crux of the problem. All right, let's dive into this MVP conversation and let's go into the uh, depths of why so Kendrick Perkins made some you know of course wild accusations he says that the white media is really biased against the black players and they uh lean towards uh Jokic you know because he's a European and he's white and you know and blah 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 him and JJ Reddick gets into it a couple days ago and then JJ Reddick gets co-signed by a lot of people that you probably don't want to be co-signed for by and I'm gonna be honest I don't think Kendrick Perkins was off base in some capacities. I do believe he was not the messenger that should have gave us that information, but I do not believe that Kendrick Perkins was fully wrong. And I'm going to say it like this, not to say that the white media is biased against the black players, but because it's, it's this thing when it comes to the MVP, the MVP trophy goes to the person that does the most uh, ridiculous thing in the NBA at the time, more so historical feats. The media does get fatigued when it comes to voting for people. They do. That's a reason why MJ only has what five. LeBron has what four or five. Kareem has his six. I mean, there's a reason why these players don't have as many MVPs. They should y'all consider MJ go. I'm trying to figure out why MJ doesn't have more MVPs. He's got five. He's had way more than that. Kareem has six. Kareem didn't get as many as he should. And, you know, LeBron's got his four. Kobe's got one. So Jokic is going to join Larry Bird as the guys with 
back to back to back MVPs. I would love to know why since Wilton Bill Russell, they got it back in the day. Since Larry Bird, since I say since Bill Russell, it's only been Larry Bird and now Nikola Jokic. And I asked that question because I'm trying to understand why Giannis didn't win another one. Giannis ain't winning another MVP. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Giannis would have to go out there and average 35 points a game in order for him to get that. And if you think I'm wrong, just go look. Players don't win after you're t- after the writers are fatigued with the way that you're dominant. You're not winning another MVP. I mean, look at Giannis's numbers this year. They're higher than they were his MVP years. He's putting up 31 and almost 12. I mean, I mean, he got less rebounds, but he's got more points. He's putting out more, and his percentages are a little bit lower. That's probably why. But the best player in the league is Giannis. And the other thing to remember is that the MVP trophy does not go to the best player at all. It never goes to the best player in the league. That's the reason why LeBron has only, like I said, four. Jordan only has five. Kareem has six. Because... You're, they don't. That's not who the award's going to go to, and so that's the one thing we've got to get out of the mindset of thinking that we're going to get that. I mean, Westbrook got one because he averaged a triple double the first time since Oscar Robinson did it. Historical feat. Jokic right now is averaging a triple double, and and he's almost shooting fifty, forty, ninety. Which would be another historical feat. That's why Steve Nash won. And um, in some Twitter posts, I saw Bo post this up and said this, that fascinating, you know, with why why Steve Nash won his when he really wasn't the best player on there. Like the one stat, advanced stat that really kind of points out who wins MVP, I think 10 of the last 11 won it was uh, win shares was the was the stat that really advanced stat that really tells you who's going to win MVP. And because of that, we should expect that Jokic is going to win this. Like, there's no reason for him not to. He's got the team with the best record in the West. They He's playing out of his mind, averaging a triple-double. He's shooting 63% from the field. 40% from three on about two threes a game, which is really low compared to what he was doing last year. And he's about 82% from the line. If he gets his line numbers up and he averages a 50, 40, 90 season while also averaging a triple double, there's zero reason why he won't win MVP. And this is why I say Kendrick Perkins is right. Jokic is stat padding. He is. It's exactly what he's doing. But he's also doing it because that's the only way they're going to win. Like, he has to stat pad. It's no different than Westbrook, and everybody likes to clown Russell Westbrook on that, but you got to remember Westbrook's teams were winning at like an 80% clip when he was getting triple doubles. So do you want your star player to do any and everything they can to win games, or do you want them to, um, I don't know, just do enough and not quote-unquote stat pad? Because that's the only thing I don't get. 
that's the one thing that has always confused me about a lot of people's assessments about these players is that you want them to do everything. And and, I, and that's why I always say there's an unfair judgment of LeBron when it has come to him playing basketball is that everybody says he should average 40 a game. And it's like no one else has ever done that. So you want him to do something that no one else has ever been able to do for you to ever consider him to be great. It doesn't make any sense. 30s average is hard. So very few people have done it. Right now, Embiid is being in the argument for it because of statistically he's putting up some numbers. And so besides that, I do think that Jokic is going to win the MVP, and I think the argument is right. But I do think that there's some truth within what Perkins is saying is that, and I don't think it's because Jokic is white, though. I think it's more of a fatigue that the writers get when it comes to giving the best player in the league the award every year. Cause it's kind of feels like laziness. You know what I'm saying? But if Jokic does this and then next year does these numbers again, and he's a front runner for MVP again, then you've got yourself a problem. Cause then at that point it's like, Oh, LeBron being the best player in the league for almost 10 years only got him four because we want to find reasons not to give it to him. Hell, he probably should have won defensive player of the year, but they weren't going to give it to him. It was fatigue at a certain point. Everybody gets tired of seeing the same person dominate. Always remember that. That's the one thing you will learn about the NBA. And that's the reason why MJ only has got only has five MVPs in the six years. They won those championships every single year. He should have won MVP. I have no clue how Carl Malone got it, but I digress this year. Jokic finally got his team to the best record in the West and I'm going to say this, not jokingly, that they're probably going to get eliminated in the first round. All because why? The MVP did not rarely wins the, 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 the NBA Finals. It don't happen very often. Go back and look at the stats. They're probably going to lose within the first two rounds. So, you know, I got to wrap this bad boy up, put a bow in it, talk about other people's money. We are pocket watching. Yes, folks, it is NFL free agency. And this is the way the NFL keeps themselves in the news and in conversation because all the high profile stuff happens right in the middle of the NBA season coming back. And so now we're trying to figure out the most important thing. First off, you saw Geno Smith got himself a hundred mil made out of contract. You saw that Daniel Jones was able to get himself a fat contract. Uh, Derek Carr is getting him some bread with the Saints. And so now Lamar Jackson just got hit with the non-exclusive franchise tag. And so to explain to y'all what that means is the exclusive one means that the Ravens will pay him the average of the top five players and it's only them. The non-exclusive, they only have to pay him $32 million next season and Lamar is welcome to go negotiate with other teams. And so I know everybody's been harsh on on, uh, Lamar about not having an agent, me being one of those, because I feel like having someone to go in there and do the fight for you helps you out. And it also helps prevent misinformation and all that stuff going around. Now, I think Lamar's doing this in the way of principle. Um, And there's certain things that he wants that he doesn't believe an agent's going to get him. And so because of that, he's now set in a situation where he's waiting for a team to give him an offer. 
And this is what makes things funny about this free agency piece is that now it seems like everybody's colluding with each other because like six or seven teams have already come out and said that they're not going to pursue Lamar right at free agency. And I'm trying to understand why are they putting this out there to the media? Now, granted, I bet the media outlets have called and uh, the reporters are asking him, hey, Lamar's now in a, on a non-exclusive, so that means you can negotiate with them. Are you guys going to go talk to him? And everybody's just like, you know, they they want they felt like they had to give an answer, when in all actuality, you didn't. You didn't have to play, put your cards out there. You can say, oh, we're just monitoring the situation. It feels like this was a orchestrated deal. And all the owners are like, no, we don't want to give out another Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed $200 million contract. Now, the Ravens were willing to make Lamar the second or third highest paid player because nobody's going to be higher paid than Deshaun Watson right now with that massive deal from the Browns. So we have to ask ourselves, is Lamar wrong for wanting to be paid close to what Deshaun Watson is? when he's won an MVP and he's done, had a lot more success in comparison. I don't think he's wrong. I also don't feel like you should scale yourself back to appease others like we want Lamar to do for us. Like, I think he does deserve the money he's asking for. He is one of the premier players in the league. His his skill set has only been held back by the offense that he has been forced to run. And literally run because they've made themselves a power run offense. It has nothing to do with him not being able to throw because he's shown he can throw them into games and win games that way. The thing about it is, is that Lamar and somebody tweeted this out and I thought it was just spot on. He's had a more, he had ran a more pro style offense at Louisville than he has in the NFL so far. While granted, He's also the first player in NFL history to produce 5,000 yards passing and 2,500 yards rushing in the first three seasons of a career. He was a unanimous MVP. He's 45 and 16 um, when he's starting. So he's fourth best of the quarterbacks that have debuted. And I don't consider wins as a quarterback stat. He's also put up a lot of numbers. And he's missed some games the last two seasons. Granted, there was that survey that came out. I'll listen to Bomani Jones talk about this, and you'll hear me reference him a lot on my pod because I think he he get, makes me think, kind of like Colin Cowherd makes me think whenever I listen to Colin. He, get, makes, he forces you to think about certain things in a, a couple of different ways. And when that survey came out that the players put out, the Ravens, Bo had said, was like 17th. And then one of the biggest complaints was about the strength and conditioning programs that the players felt like weren't tailored for them and they felt like they weren't taken seriously in that capacity. Y'all also know the Ravens had a lot of injuries over the last couple of years. Feels like it correlates together. The wide receiver court has been subpar. They haven't really gotten him a real true number one wide receiver yet. And the question is, is the, are the players just not that good or are they just not developing them right? Because that's where I'm trying to figure out where we've gotten to the point where we're questioning Lamar deserving money. They win with him. Come playoffs, they're usually banged up and beat up like everybody else, but they use a, they, they typically lose more star players on their team than other teams do. Their line is usually beat up really bad, and that means that they don't have depth. What do you do about that? Like this year, Mahomes won for one reason. Attrition. 
They're the healthiest. They had everybody that they needed in order to be successful. Their line was intact, and they got Patrick Mahomes a quarterback. He figured out with the other wide receivers. They had their running back, and the defense was pretty much intact. They were healthy. So, yeah, the, the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl when they lost their offensive lineman, and Patrick Mahomes had to figure it out with an injured offensive line. You see where I'm going with this? You know a team's going to be able to do some things when they have attrition on their side. We haven't seen that with Lamar. I even question the same thing now with Josh Allen. We, we, we're, we don't question Josh Allen like we do Lamar Jackson, which is fascinating to me because Josh Allen ain't had, had that much more success than Lamar. He's won, what, one more playoff game? Whoop-de-doo. What does that mean? Has he gotten him to a Super Bowl yet? He hasn't. And so that AFC is a dogfight. You've got Joe Burrow. You've got Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. Yeah. The AFC stacked at the quarterback position at the top. And so Lamar's one of those. And so we have to respect him. And when Watson is healthy or, well, he's been in, in you know football shape, he was that as well. So I don't understand why we're questioning that Lamar shouldn't get paid or pushing back on it. He doesn't want to be the second best, second highest paid. He wants to be the highest. And it does feel like it's a coordinated effort by the owners to hurt his market value so that they don't have to put up that money. And granted, I understand a lot of them don't have the quote unquote cash to do it, but they're billionaires. They're supposed to, if you're a billionaire, why don't you add a money somewhere? Like the big thing with these guaranteed contracts, and this is where the problem comes in is that you have to have the money in escrow and it sits there and pays out to the player. The guaranteed money does. So every guaranteed contract dollar you give out, you got to have it out sitting in cash somewhere. And I think that's why there's so many deals that include incentives so that they don't have to put so much cash back in waiting in escrow. So because of that, we see that Lamar is not going to get the contract that we presume he wants. The, the presumed deal is that he wants a hundred, a 250 million guaranteed. I don't think, I don't honestly believe that he's asked for that. I don't believe that that is the number that they're reaching for. I mean, Daniel Jones got what? 160. They can go up to 190, and he had like what? A hundred guaranteed. I'm trying to figure out how Daniel Jones got that contract off one good year. He got new coaching. So yeah, he had that one good year. Lamar's been pretty consistent. Hurt the last two years, but he's been consistent overall. Now they got rid of the offensive coordinator that we've all complained about. They've now gotten rid of the strength and conditioning coach that the players complained about. And so next season, he's probably going to kill it. He's 26 years old, still young. We still got about five years goodness out of him. So this contract here, this is probably the last big deal he's going to get because since everybody considers him a running player and he only can run, he got to protect his legs. He's got to protect his, his income long-term and they need to do what they can. to make this man successful. The only way you're going to do that is what put the right players around them. The new TV deal is coming next year. So the salary cap is going to balloon even more. Go ahead and pay the man, call it a day, but they won't. The question we've got to ask ourselves: will Lamar be willing to sit out and how long is it going to take for them to negotiate a deal? 
I'll give it to the Ravens on this, though. Smart for them to throw the non-exclusive out there just so they don't have to, quote, unquote, be the first one to make the offer. They can see what the market thinks. And then all these coordinated efforts to say, oh, we're not going to offer them anything. Y'all dumb if y'all not going to go kick the tires. That's the dumbest thing I've heard from some of these teams. Go kick the tires, see what you can, what, 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 what's potential out there because Lamar is still a game-changing quarterback, period. And you're not going to find anybody as talented as him. We watched Tyler Huntley, who's wildly athletic, go out there and play really good football, but you could tell the difference between him and Lamar. Like, as athletic as he was, he couldn't do the things Lamar did. And you're like, oh, that's why there's a difference between them. So, Lamar's got to make the decision that he wants to sit down. And if anything, I hope he's not in his feelings. I'm not saying he is, but I hope he's not in his feelings at the negotiation table, understanding that this is a business and their job is to pay you as little as possible. Even being respectfully. We're going we're gonna to pay you, but we don't want to pay you all that you want to make because we still got to figure out the rest of the cap and everybody around you. So I hope he's not in his feelings. I hope he goes in there level-headed and has that discussion. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll look at long-term. Oh, man, thank y'all for pulling up here on Unfair Sports as usual. I really appreciate you all pulling up. Um, Make sure that you hit the like, subscribe, the rate, and review, and give us five stars. You think we deserve it? Just give us five anyway and gifted. So, for Mike, Bob, and Wendy, thank you so much for doing what you do best and helping me get this out for a lunchtime special. Um, I'll have another podcast. Probably, I don't think we'll have one later this week, um, catching up on NBA, but we'll have one before Vegas. March Madness is coming up, so we got to talk about that stuff. And um, the contract stuff is always interesting in the NFL, so we'll keep that going. And then, of course, MVP talk in the NBA is going to continue to go as the discourse is going wild and bananas and crazy. And I hope J.J. Reddick recognizes that he had the wrong person endorse him, and he goes in there and says, hey, man, uh, I denounced that fool, and I do not want his name tied to me. But outside of that, we'll chop it up, I don't know, in a couple of days. Peace.